Yakface.com is one of the premier destinations for Hasbro Star Wars toy news. On this episode, we go behind the scenes with Yakface himself, Jason, and talk action figure collecting throughout the years. His Yoda love and shares his memories about seeing Empire Strikes Back in the cinema for the first time. Plus, we talk all things modern Hasbro, what the next HasLab project should be, and ponder if they'll always be the producer of Star Wars action figures. I think over the years of Hasbro having the license, there's been opportunities for it to go elsewhere, and Disney, well, at least most recently, I think you know Disney's decided to stick with, with them as their go-to manufacturer. Do you have an opinion on that? I'm of two minds, I guess. I think, let's say another company were to take over, it's not like they're going to start automatically issuing product we've never gotten before. They're going to hitch their wagon to already established characters, and that will that would mean we would be buying another Darth Vader, another Luke, another R2, another original trilogy character, probably. We're not going to get some long lost action figure or vehicle that we have had never received before they're going to start off on the safe foot it's going to be toy biz bringing out the tonka sisters after all this time this is steel wars episode 240 yak face collector of collecting news Hey you guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I am Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we talk to someone of interest about it. And this week on the show, we have got the long-awaited guest. I don't know about for you, but for me, a long-awaited guest. Been dying to talk action figures with this guy. Welcome to the podcast from yakface.com. Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this too. Excellent. Now, here's the thing, guys. I I don't mean to sizzle things that I can't come through with, but if this was a video podcast, Jason, that that beard is, is, is truly, I would like to think at the start of the year, you didn't have any facial hair. And this is just your isolation growth, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's getting a little out of control, but uh, I'm I'm just letting it go. We'll see how it does, dude. You're collecting figures and length, right? On that bad boy, you could you could actually um, you might be able to whip up a little diorama in that beard. I'm thinking, you know, when the Ewoks capture our rebel heroes. Mm-hmm. You could have them all sort of poking out, right? Like that. I could find some small enough figures. I could work that in. Just, just a thought, man. Just a thought. You know, <laughs> celebration. You've it's, you've got plenty of time to right. prepare for this diorama. So, yakface dot com. Mm-hmm. Since nineteen ninety six, I think it was first registered as an official website. It was part of a group of sites, as many were back then when the internet toy blogging thing was just kind of finally coming out. Um, I haven't been along this website since its inception, but I came along in 2004 as a, just a regular reporter slash slash contributor. And then over the years, I, my, my position became more defined as far as I started 
revamping the toy guides that we had on the site and still have, but not maintained. Um, and that was my job, like around Revenge of the Sith, you know, 2005, I really started photographing a bunch of the current and older product. And I kind of continued that up through to about episode seven. And then as things happen with life, with kids and work and everything else, um, my time was more occupied with the family side. So I didn't devote as much time to the toy photography aspect, but the reporting has still been been solid throughout that this entire time. Ah, oh, your, your reporting, you know, of late has been, you know, you're my source, buddy. You are my source for all things action figures. But for me, this is an early in the podcast bombshell, and I'm not sure if you'll be shocked to learn this or not. I thought you were like the original Yak Face. Like I thought you were the like Yak Face was just you, Jason. No, um, not nope. That's not the case. I you've been I passed the, on the mantle. Yes, I've I've taken over the just like Batman. You know, I kind of it's kind of a leap. Um, I took over the site probably about ten years ago as full time, you know, content manager. Uh, I do all the social media stuff as far as Instagram and Twitter. That's that's me all the time answering people's questions or putting info out there. Um, and obviously, I do I do various podcasts as far as being guests. I we talked a little bit before the show. Um, I'm part of the uh, Wolf Pack slash uh, Castle Run podcast group with Corey um, and a lot of our friends there. So yeah, I've. I've been with the site for about 10 years as the owner and content manager, social media guy. So, Wow. Were you a lost person by chance? It, no. Okay. I've never watched it. All right. Well, for those that did, I feel like that Jason is like Hurley at the end of the series, taking on the, uh, the mantle of, um, of Guardian of, right. of, of com. So, I, I, I do want to. I've I've got some pressing action figure topics that we will get to, but I, I want to sort of investigate a bit of your fandom and and the sure. history of Yakface first. So, how was the original before you, the Yakface dot com, founded? Um, you know, it was like many toy collecting websites. It was a group of people that you know, obviously huge Star Wars fans and toy fans. And this was right when uh, the Power of the Force 2 line came back in the mid-90s. And there were, you know, there was a lot of the bulletin board slash messenger groups that kind of coalesced, you know, different areas of the internet. And yakface.com was kind of born out of that. So as a standalone page versus just being a discussion type forum uh, site. So... Um, that's kind of its evolution. You know, we kind of started out that way. And then, um, as news came more prevalent, you know, toy news, uh, toy shows, um, sponsors came along and just really, you know, helped. We've been like, a the, one of the longest, uh, sponsors, like with entertainment earth. Um, they've been with us, I believe since the beginning. Um, so yeah, we've, and until about, I guess, Rogue One came out. We were really, you know, tied 
with uh, Hasbro as well, we'd get, um, even back in the 90s, 2000s, we'd get um, advanced you know, previews of product or um, we'd be able to break toy news officially through um, through Hasbro. That was, that was, like I said, back in the early 2000s. Like, I think our site was the first site to break that there was actually a Tatooine skiff coming back out. And that was oh. in the, in the power of the force two line back then. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's had its humble roots, but you know, we're, I would say we're one of the more known sites nowadays. I definitely would have clicked that article. <laughs> that was, um, that was very exciting to, uh, finally get my hands on, on, on a skiff in, in that format. They like, so you were talking about, Hasbro used to sort of break news mm-hmm. through your site, and 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 these days, like a lot of people are clicking on Yakface and, and on your Twitter account to you know get these like rumors and leaks of right. upcoming Hasbro product. What what's your relationship like with Hasbro these days? Um, like I said, since about Rogue One. Um Rogue One and uh, Episode Seven. Uh, it's been pretty much non-existent as far as we don't get press releases or um, invites to um, like toy fair and whatnot, or uh, get advanced product, you know, as promotional stuff to help support the brand. You know, even even though we don't get that stuff, you know, we still support Hasbro's products, and obviously, I I wouldn't be writing about it all the time if I didn't like their product or want to collect it um but yeah i have no official tie with hasbro whatsoever so so you don't get those sweet boxes that everyone no, gets and that on really, instagram that that's that's they've been so good these past few years with the different uh the cool artwork you know the retro collection boxes and some of the others um yeah I miss I miss getting that type of stuff, but I I enjoy more the discovery of unannounced product and to be able to get that out there for fans and collectors and you know because some so often especially like since the Disney acquisition and whatnot everything's become so secretive where you don't know what's what you don't know what's coming you don't know how much product is coming especially especially for like merchandise launches like big you know. Uh, Force Friday and Midnight Madness, as they used to be called, there used to be like a more direct line with Hasbro directly um, before Disney became involved where, you know, they don't get to reveal everything or they just don't tell you how much things cost or or whatnot. So um, like part of this evolution of the site has been to help unearth some of these unannounced products. And that's been my that's kind of replaced not fully like toy hunting for me, like the physical, physical finding of product in stores. Mine's about my, my role has become more about finding the actual existence that this product is coming, whether it's on a boat, you know, coming overseas or it's about to be released in stores or new things have showed up in, you know, big chain uh, inventory systems like target and Walmart um, that's become my real passion over the past few years is hunting through information. And I have some really great sources that kind of point me in directions where to look or um, a lot of the stuff can be found 
relatively easily if you know how to find it online, you know, whether it's you're using the actual um, apps that um, retailers have, you know, like Target or Walmart, some of the stuff can be found just just by scanning a barcode, you know, mm-hmm. so. So, I just completely blanked then because I started thinking about the barcode. Um, what? Wow, I'm just going back to where there's there's tons of stuff I want to get to about this, like the the, the way that Hasbro works and stuff. But mm-hmm. how are, are you? Uh, are, are you? So you're saying that you know your passion is finding out this information, but do, do you still collect the figures yourself? Absolutely, I I go on toy runs just like everybody else. You know, I I buy stuff online. Um, I have an extensive collection, uh, almost to the point of being ridiculous. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm still a passionate collector, and, and, and that will always be first and foremost with me as being a collector. I love the reporting of the news as part of that fandom. So, and, and what's your collecting strategy? Um, what, what are you what, what are you stocking up on? Well, as you as you know or may know or have heard, you know, finding stuff in stores nowadays is become more difficult as the years have gone on. Whether it's a, a inventory issue or just a store support issue, so you know, sometimes I'll hit the same store two or three times a day if I know they're supposed to be stocking something. You know, especially like around this time where. You know, like Target is having their uh, aisle resets right now, and you could go in in the morning, and the aisle may be completely empty, but if you go in at night, it may be completely full, or it could be empty because someone came in in between those times and cleared out a peg's worth of figures that, if you collect vintage collection, let's say, they're only going to get a peg's worth of figures really right now. Those are gone you know, in, in a span of eight hours. So, um, if I know, if I know that there's products supposed to be hitting retail, I'll hit two or three stores, maybe a couple times a day. If I have the time, um, cause I work overnight. So I have my days are free with my kids. Uh, we'll do, we'll do family toy runs and we'll, we'll, we'll find stuff. So that's kind of my process in finding new things. Otherwise, I'm completely fine with ordering things online. I'm not one of those people that have to find things in store to to be satisfied. I'll you know go through our sponsors and order order product that way and know that they're going to arrive in great condition and um, and support the line that way. So, are you uh, are you trying to get one of every figure or? That's typically the goal. Um, and, you know, and, with- and and have you like pretty much done that since? Like ninety five or ninety six? Yeah, um, figures. Oof. Figures first and foremost are always. I need to have at, at least one of each inbox. So f- s- until about two thousand six, I think. Um, I think that was when the Saga Collection line came out, where the figures came with like those little. Um, hologram deals on the back of the card the little holographic figures they were plastic uh, they were either red or blue or silver yeah they look like chess piece sort of right right um 
until that point, I collected two of everything. So I had one open and then one carded. And had you opened them all? Um, Most of them I have, up until that point, I do have carded versions of everything prior to 2006. After that, I would pick and choose where I would have a carded sample and then I'd have an open sample. Otherwise, I would just open everything. Gotcha. So, um, like right now, and even dating back then, if it's a troop builder of sorts, like if it's a stormtrooper or a cool clone trooper or whatnot, um, if it's not a named one, I'll get, you know, three to five of those just because they look cool as a squad or whatever. Um, but like if it's a if it's a named clone trooper or you know particular named officer, I I would just get the one and have that either open or boxed. I, I don't really specify on some of them, but, um, but yeah, that's like the, let's, for example, there's the GameStop exclusive. There's that shadow trooper that has like the blue, it's a black, uh, storm trooper that has like the blue highlights on it. I've got five of those. Let's say I have a boxed one and then I'll have like four open ones so I could have a cool little setup of just these, specialized troopers. Oh, so you're running it with a six inch as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do the same. I do both scales. And, and do you have like them all set up right now? I don't. And that's what's sad, you know, and that's kind of where I mentioned that my collection is kind of ridiculous because I have all of this merchandise that I have boxed in the, you know, especially since uh, the six inch black series line came up. More of that stuff is I have just in box unopened than I have on display. And that's what's kind of unfortunate. You know, it's like, I'd like to enjoy these more, um, but I just don't have the dedicated space to, to do that. So I've been working on revamping a small spare, bre- spare bedroom in our house that I can maybe rotate stuff in and out. But most of the stuff I have on display in that room is vintage era toys, like uh, vintage Star Wars or other, other brands. Mm-hmm. So being able, cause I had, you know, I collected all that power of the force stuff up to attack of the clones mm-hmm. and then I had, I had it all out and then I moved and then, you know, less gets out, less gets out. And then, you know, not much is out. And I was just like, I'm not enjoying, I've just got these boxes that make a part of my house messy. So I sort of like right. scaled it back. And then what I had, I could display in a couple of cabinets and mm-hmm. far less stuff. But it is it is so enjoyable just to have it around you in a, a mildly neat state. Yeah, that's, that's key is to have it presentable and not, you know, towering over you as some sort of hoarding, you know, you know what garbage my, house. My inspiration was what my... Um, you know, Queer Eye show was, was James Burns was on some, like, home renovation or... Right, right, I remember that. Like, like, show, and they took out... You had all the boxes, and then they sort of put it into a nice display. And I watched that, and I was like, oh, I want to (laughs) be... I want to be happy at the end with my my family that did not exist at the time. Right. So, um, what's your first memory of Star Wars, going right back... Um, my first memory is, let's see, um, it was probably seeing the movie in a drive-in 
uh, I saw Star Wars slash A New Hope before it was A New Hope um, in 77 in a drive-in with my parents. Um, I remember it. I, I think I've, I told this story recently where I remember hearing the story so often I could, I'm probably having a false memory of me being there, but you know, because I was so young, I was three years old. Um, yeah, but, you know, it, it actually happened, but your memory right. of it isn't a real memory. Right. I could, I could visualize what I saw because I've seen this movie so many times and I know what it would feel like to be sitting or standing in the backseat of my parents, you know, 19, 19- 72 Monte Carlo or whatever the heck they had at the time. Um, but yeah, I, I remember quote unquote, I remember that. And I remember my parents telling me that at the first time that they had saw it or that we had saw it, we didn't know what half of the characters looked like because the projectionist had the, had the film not centered on the screen and all their heads were cut off. Oh. So Imagine seeing Star Wars, the the best, you know, Star Wars movie or the best movie in the world at the time, and you couldn't see what half of the characters looked like because their heads were all all chopped off because of the framing. So um, that, that that's like a worse version of you know, like in the VHS, you'd have like the right. pan and scan, and you wouldn't see things on the edge. That's <laughs> right. like sucking it in one more time. Right. So imagine you know Darth Vader breaking in through the the blockade runner for the first time seeing him and you don't know what his helmet looks like because his head is cut off. So that's, that's what my dad tell has told me. You'd have to imagine that it'd be some surly patrons yelling out the window or something. So that was my first star Wars experience. And then that following Christmas, the year later was when I got my first, you know, star Wars action figures. So, you know, it was like R2D2 Luke, Jawa, Darth Vader, Ben Kenobi, Leia. Those are my first action figures for the for the brand. Are they in your uh, spare bedroom right now or what? They are. I have all my original toys that I've ever had. Nice. Yeah. How – it is amazing that how perfect they were for the time and how much they meant to you. Mm-hmm. How much, in retrospect – you forgave them for being some of them, the most God awful action figures of all time, but couldn't have loved them anymore. Perfect. I didn't, I didn't at the time, no problem with them. Like, like Luke stormtrooper, you know, I I didn't care that Luke didn't have a chin. (laughs) His head looked like a potato, you know, it was just, yeah, those, there were some really bad ones, but it was like, you didn't, like you said, you don't realize, you know, getting your first action figures back then, being as impressionable as we all were back then, that it would be with us for 40 plus years. You know, it's like I have ate, slept and drank Star Wars since that that first toy I got. It's like I have it, I've never not known it and I've never not thought about it every day. It's just one of those weird things that. You know, that was the moment that pretty much shaped my entire life is is that movie and those toys. So, And what, what's your favorite scene? My favorite, it's really hard. If Just sticking with original trilogy, 
My favorite scene no, is... Out of the whole thing, buddy. I'm, I, not, I'm not making these questions any easier for you. Okay. Um, I will still stick... Go on it's the record. Toss, it's a toss-up between Vader and Luke's exchange on the gantry on Bespin when... Not the I am your father part, but just just that whole duel and their exchange. And that that, that is like... That's what I think of when I think of Star Wars or Empire, for instance. My second favorite or close. It's definitely what I think of when I think of gantries. Right. That's how I learned the word gantry probably was. (laughs) It's the only time I've ever used it in my life. (laughs) Right. Um, The second is Luke and Vader again, but on the Death Star when they're fighting underneath uh, the throne room there when Luke doesn't want to fight and then Vader tempts him with, you know, trying to convert his sister. And then those will are seared into my brain forever is my favorite scenes from, from those two movies. Does sound like you might have issues with your father. (laughs) My dad and I get along pretty well, actually. All right. That's that's what you say on air. I just, uh... I just, those scenes are perfect to me. And who's your character? Uh, Yoda is my go-to character for Star Wars. Dude, you should, you should have rebranded yakface.com. Yoda. Orange, yeah. OrangeSnake.net. Orange Snake. Right. So, so Yoda just for... Yoda because, again, being as young as you and I probably both were when we saw that film, you, you didn't even think about the fact that that character was a puppet. What? Like, you... <laughs> Oh, sorry. It's like I spoiled something there for you. Um, Yeah, that's that character is as alive to me as anything else. Uh, And just the wisdom he imparted throughout the entire saga. And he's has just always been my favorite character. He's one of the characters that I have a focus collection centered around. I've a dedicated uh, cabinet that's just full of Yoda merchandise and and stuff like that. So, what what what's the jewel of the Yoda crown? Jewel of the Yoda crown. Um, I would have to say it's a pretty recent acquisition. I got it within the last year. It's one of the sideshow collectibles, um, legendary scale versions of that figure, where it's it's like half scale, and it's it's supposed to stand about eight eighteen inches tall, twenty inches tall. It is currently in a box in my garage, oh. unopened. I've had it for a year, and I don't have it on display in my house. I, I, I spent, I think, $700 for it through or through a Sideshow, and I just I don't have the room to display it how I want, you know, to feature it. And I would, I would consider that to be the, I guess, the, you, the best you're sample. You're disrespecting of, the crown jewel. Yeah. Shocking. Yep. Shocking. Yep. I had um one of my favorite collectibles I still have is I had the elusive originals like the mm-hmm. latex Yoda, which was right. like a two scale version yep. of Yoda and Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I couldn't have loved a molded bit of latex <laughs> anymore. Um he won't get to see him again for quite a while, but um, Harry, my my son, was was very taken with him when he um, got to visit my old bedroom. But he's all cracked up and his ears yep. are falling off and stuff. But I would go into this collectible shop for years in my memory and go, oh, how about like try to offer him something to lowball them you know, to get this Yoda figure that had been in their shop for five years. Right. And then finally, I I think it was 600 bucks I got it for. And I drove it an hour home and I had it sitting in the front seat with the seatbelt on. Yep. And I remember just being at the lights and seeing these kids in the car next to us just like, oh, Yoda. (laughs) Like, And it, it sort of reminds me of, like some 80s film where, you know, the kid goes, I just saw an alien in the car. And it's like, you know, shut up, kid, or whatever. And it was E.T. in the back of the car or whatever. I, and I actually took that Yoda to the Rosebud premiere of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. <laughs> Bought him a seat. He wow. sat him in there. People came and got photos with him. He got an applause when he came in. And the coolest thing was, was when you were like, because beforehand everyone's like mingling. And when you were at the back of the cinema and looked down, because you could just see silhouette, like it legit just looked like Yoda was <laughs> just like, can't wait. Can't wait to see yep. this next one. I hear I look <laughs> awesome. Perfect. What, what are you, um, you know, big Yoda guy. Love him. Mm-hmm. But. I do hear a bit of criticism about Yoda in, in his prequel days. Maybe right. that he was a bit stubborn. What do you make of that? Um, I chalk it up to, I don't know. Um, yeah, he was a little, you know, stodgy. If you think back on his dialogue, he was just very, he wasn't nearly as fun or, you know, kind of a, crazy alien in the jungle kind of a thing. He was, yeah, he was far more serious in the, in the prequels. And I, I guess I've never really thought of it that way, but I, I guess I would attribute that to him being in a time of conflict, I guess at, in, in that time during the prequels that he, the most conflict he had ever been in. So he's not all that much up for jokes, I suppose, right then and there. So Okay, answer me this one. I always want mm-hmm. to know this. What's the deal? Empire Strikes Back. R2-D2 obviously knows who Yoda is. Is he just like playing along by trying not to give him <laughs> the the light stick or whatever? What, what's, what, what do you think the uh, inside is there? I think it's just for, <laughs> just, just for the fact that uh, the prequels were written after the <laughs> original trilogy that they didn't plan that they would know each other in the future like that. 
I like the thought that they try to fix it, but they get it wrong. And he still doesn't know who he is, but uses his jetpacks to get away right. from him. So they use the wrong bit of prequel information to uh, right. update Empire Strikes Back. And but I, I like to think that he was just going along. You know, he was just sort of like good at improv. Right. And he was just rolling with Yoda's little, um, you know, shenanigans. Yep. Do you reckon they should have just... Because before the prequels came out, right, my mindset was like, well, you watch these original films and you write down everything that's established. Like Leia being with Padme, but Luke not. Right. And that R2-D2 never came in contact with Yoda because when they meet on... Do you think they should have done stuff like that and kept them away from each other for the whole series just in a a subtle right. way so all that fits? It probably would have it probably would have saved them the questions that we're asking now, you know, from a lot of people. It's like, um, you know, should Obi-Wan have met R2 because they see each other on yeah, Tatooine right. and he doesn't remember owning well, he didn't own R2, but you know, he obviously knew him then. So it's like, like you said, there's a lot of, there's inconsistencies there that don't, that didn't need to be there. It's so weird because, you know, the guy that invented it all. Right. George Lucas just doesn't care about that sort of stuff. <laughs> right. Like, John, you know I mean, he makes all these amazing universes and creatures and storylines and stuff. But for the people, typically that like it the most that then want it to be right. You know, that thought out He's like, nah, it's got, that's not what it's all about. Just, right. just go with it. It's a, and it's a, it's a, it's an interesting irony. Right. And it's how, like, how does, how does Leia remember Padme or her mother in return of the Jedi when she wasn't, you know, she obviously wasn't with her at all. You know, she remembers her through the force uh, Apparently, I guess that's the only explanation you could have. But, you know, Luke was just as present as Leia was at at that time. It's like, and he doesn't remember. She had more memory force. Right. Or more just making stuff up. That's what people have, you know, they're not afraid to front up to the truth. Leia, yeah. just lying. <laughs> just, just making up this, right. this, this mum that was all warm and, and, and rosy. So what's your favorite? My favorite is Empire because of Yoda. So I feel like like I was perfect Return of the Jedi age. Maybe I was a, a bit young, but I do have a flood of Return of the Sorry, but I do have a flood of like Return of the Jedi films. That was the only one I got to see in the cinema in its first run. Mm-hmm. What was it like seeing Star Wars? And it feels like you're at the perfect age where if you love Star Wars and then three years later you've grown up, mm-hmm. like, you know, Empire is like a slightly more mature version oh, yeah. of Star Wars. How was it? Like, I, I can't, what was, like, do you remember being nervous going to see the sequel to Star Wars? Star Wars 2. Right. Do you remember see, so, seeing it? 
I remember I remember seeing the scenes that stand out the most or are the the cave scene where it is revealed that you know Luke is essentially fighting his, himself through you know Vader's spirit or whatever right. is in the cave aren't we all right and you know um, th- that was really deep i mean for a kids movie that's pretty intense stuff you know and we didn't realize that watching it back then that that's what these things meant or you know what all of that meant back then but um that scene and obviously the reveal of vader being luke's father um those were unbelievable you know twists in the movie you know for the i guess six-year-old me back then so how how good are your memories of that day um not that great i mean i think just like with a lot of movies from when you saw as a kid you have ideal impressions or ideal memories of what you think those times were like or what you what you think those experiences were but yeah, those were the those two scenes were the ones I do remember seeing in the theater. The the rest of it, not so much. I think I was impressed or the the Battle of Hoth because it was oh, it's all this snow um, and these cool walkers and whatnot. I I do remember more of that more of the Hoth scenes, I guess, but they weren't as um, impactful as the you know the Vader scenes that I mentioned. And do you have any memories of like, like the audience reaction? Either in no, the... no, because I, yeah, to get that reveal, right, would be uh, something else. Something yeah. else. <laughs> you know, you saw Star Wars at the drive-in, then that Christmas you had figures. Right. The, yeah, the year later, since toys didn't come out that same year. How were the figures just instantly a big part of your life and part of your fandom? And, and, and did that sort of like continue to now? Yeah. Um, like I said, those first figures, I got the Luke, the Yoda, or not the Yoda, the Jawa, Leia, Vader, Obi-Wan. Um, those were like the first real fig action figures of that type back then. And, you know, obviously those kind of set the stage for many toys that came later from different companies. Um, but yeah, that just that whole, just that whole collectible line, you know, my friends had action figures. I, I remember growing up, you know, it was a few years later when we were going to each other's house and we were, you know, still playing Star Wars in the back, in our backyards together. And we were much older than, um, you know, we were like 10, I suppose. And we were still all playing in the dirt and woods with our Star Wars toys. And, you know, I know a lot of my friends that um, I'm still in con- in contact with today, they probably still have their toys too. Um, we were just, I grew up in a small town in Iowa and uh, we that's the things that we did. We played with our toys. You know, we stayed over at each other's houses all the time and uh, How enjoyed the movies. How good was combining the collections in um, one it was, super play? That was fun because a lot of us had different things. So we each got to experience 
kind of new toys without having them for ourselves. Like I never had the big walkers or like the indoor play set, um, but my friends did. I remember having some of the things they didn't have. Like I had the, I had the first Tatooine skiff and, um, what else? Some of like the, the Jabba's play set I remember I had and those guys didn't, um, and some of the mail away, like the, uh, the dungeon and whatnot. I had that. Uh. They didn't. Um, so it was, it was fun. Cause we, you know, we'd, we'd bring our carrying cases of action figures over, whether it was the Vader silhouette case or the vinyl cases. And we would bring our stuff to each other's houses and we would all leave with our same stuff. You know, we weren't, you know, worried about losing our toys over at friend's house or our weapons or, you know, someone stealing something or we were just, just playing like kids. And that's, that's a big part of my memory of my memory as well. I remember when I would play Star Wars, I didn't have I had lots of action figures, but no play sets or I just had mini rigs and action mm-hmm. figures. So when I played Return of the Jedi, Bib Fortuna was Jabba the Hutt. That's cool. Like, you know, he he was like the substitute. He was Jabba mm-hmm. the Hutt was sick that week. <laughs> But then when I got to go to my friend Rocky Finnegan's house, we got to upgrade. And I do remember just being so – it was like it doesn't get any better than this. Playing Star Wars, Jabba the Hutt, Jabba the Hutt. Bib Fortuna's up the back where he belongs. Cop that. And I remember just having this warm glo- – like just being so happy to have the Jabba. I, I actually hate Bib Fortuna. I think he's a dick. So um, – <laughs> Didn't, didn't enjoy upgrading him there. So when the figures came back out in like, was it 95 or 96? Um, I, I think it was 95, yeah. Yeah. Oh, first of all, mm-hmm. Bendems. Never had them. What did you think when they came out? Um, I, I just thought they were, a, you know, a weird, you know, like a Gumby type of, toy i didn't really give them all that much thought obviously i even though they were star wars i didn't collect them so i i was never really attracted to getting them or oh it's like first you know new star wars toys in a really long time i didn't really care for them so i didn't i didn't get them so if you don't know in it must have been 93 or 4 they did bring out gumby style so like a rubber figure that's just got wire in it and that's the articulation like a gumby toy and they were you know the the lightsabers were molded in and they were all bloated and i do remember standing in kmart just like looking around at why why how did they think this is what i wanted (laughs) i just want a plastic action figure Right. Like, like, you know how you, that you used to make? Just like, how did you do market research and come back with this information? Like, <laughs> it was baffling to me. But then we got um, the Hasbro ones and I sort of, when they were all he-manned up, right. I was sort of like, oh, okay, I guess that's what they have to do to sell action figures in the 90s. Right. They've got to be muscly. So I was sort of like, I'm just happy to have them. Yep. But 
I, for me, and I'm sort of leading to this question, I'm interested in what your call is. After that, maybe two years or something, once they started sort of getting the sculpts more realistic and bringing out the Tarkin figure, the Yak face figure, the, the Rebel Fleet Trooper, you know, these figures that were either super hard to get or just missed in um, in the, the first run, the Kenner mm-hmm. run, you know, the, the Jabba's um, Prisoner Leia. Right. That to me was just the golden era. Um, yeah. You know, the figures got better later on, but that was when... I was so satisfied. Everything that came out, I was like, this is glorious. Right. Except for for R5-D4. Yeah, that was a bad one. For for those that don't know, for some reason, opened up and there was a yellow missile. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was a weird choice. That that would be, you know how like Filoni and and Favreau, they're doing an amazing job at sort of including little toy things and stuff. Yeah, they had the imperial tr- troop carrier. That would be a like a brutal like call out if because you know R five D four was in the cantina. Mm-hmm. If in next season he opens up and there's a missile there and the right. Mandalorian has to defuse it, that would that would be the <laughs> worst episode. <laughs> yeah, I could see a some sort of a callback to that but yeah like you mentioned like that those were cool times when we were getting new action figures of star wars characters that we had never received before so like you mentioned the tarkin the the uh prisoner leia those were i remember vividly finding those figures in stores and collecting back then was really quite enjoyable because you know you'd have like a new wave of figures like every six weeks it was they they were steadily pumping out product. You didn't have to wait months at a time to get new things. Um, obviously, back then, uh, it, they were cheaper to make. They were not nearly as um, screen accurate. I would say, you know, like you mentioned, some of them were beefier, but they were mostly very limited in articulation. But as they progressed early on in those, they did gradually get better, and the figures were better proportioned to actual you know, what they look like on screen. Um, not all jacked, like, like the first waves of action figures were, um, it's like, use yeah. the force brother. Right. It's like, have your protein shake. And yeah, they were really, uh, I'm not sure, you know, you mentioned with the, the Bendems is like, where was the, who had the market research that said we want beefy, you know, uh, star Wars action figures like that. So, I know um, they quickly got market research that they didn't want that. Yep. But it, is that your glory days as well? Because I know, um, like, you know, during the Clone Wars stuff, it got, everything got a bit too, like, for me, I just like the figure. The articulation mm-hmm. isn't that important. Right. And I, I felt like later on, when they got made more realistic as statues of characters from the movie, mm-hmm. they sort of became less like toys. Right. And sort of like fragile, <laughs> don't touch him on the wrist because it might pop off. And right, right. Like all that sort of stuff. When's your, 
when's your glory is? Um, I would guess I would have to say during that um, Clone Wars and uh, Legacy Collection line, like I think that you know around the 2008 to 2010, those couple years, there was just so much product coming out. You know, especially for Clone Wars, that that show was so rich with um, with potential, you know, characters and vehicles. And Hasbro was not afraid to like touch every single one of them as far as have some sort of representation in the toy line. You know, a, a character that was in just you know one episode, and they'd have they'd have a figure for it. And you know, we had been waiting for other characters, you know, for you know, 30 years or 25 years that we had never gotten before. And they're cranking out these action figures from, from an episode with only one, one appearance. So what they had then, and I didn't really realize at the time because the, the show was so hard to watch in Australia. Like, uh do you know what I mean? We didn't have a cartoon network or whatever it, it screened on. And they've had, they had the He Man model going. They had their mm-hmm. half hour toy commercial on on television every week. Right. And they, so they could just pump out thing after thing. But I, I see photos of people's collections that, you know, went hard in the Clone Wars with all those gunships and Right. It, it's a lot of plastic they molded up. Yeah. And you know, it was whether it was brilliant or just really fortunate on their part that there were just so many ways to repaint existing tooling that they could just crank out product and, you know, save a ton of money on, on tooling costs, but just, you know, throw, throw some new paint on it and you'd have a whole new character and people would just eat that up. And that, I think that was why I really enjoyed that time, especially, you know, with the Clone Wars is because there was so much product and I really enjoyed the show I like having so much different product to, to represent that whole that whole series. So, yeah, that was the Clone Wars definitely ranks right up there with my top action figure, you know, lines dedicated action figure lines. How do you feel now that you know the three and three quarter inch is? you know, sort of, you know, getting quite rare. It's it's this vintage collection now, yeah? And is, is that – right. what, what's the status of all that? Um, you know, as people have heard or read or um, whatnot, that there's been kind of a downturn in what Hasbro has pushed forward as their, you know, main focus in action figure lines and whether that is a, the direct result of, you know, market feedback and – and sales, you know, um, analytics, but, you know, black series, six inch figures are quite prominent in Hasbro's catalog right now. And for years, you know, you know, we've had 40 years of, uh, Hasbro devoting everything to the three, three quarter inch scale. You know, it's been a good, what has it been? Six years or so. I can't remember what, well, it's been longer than that. It's well six, seven years since the Black Series line came out, the six-inch scale. Um, but yeah, it that is slowly kind of working its way to back, working its way back around to where 
um, the three and three quarter inch scale is becoming more supported both at retail and by Hasbro itself. You know, I've, I've been finding lists of products that are coming out, you know, there's like 20 some unannounced, um, vintage collection or three and three quarter inch scale products coming out over the next, you know, year or so. I don't know what they are, but it does show that Hasbro has not cut that line off completely. It just is not nearly as prevalent, I would say, at least from a toy aisle aspect um, as it used to be. Yeah, like when you go into a toy aisle now, it's obvious toys clearly are not as popular right. as a product because, you know, you look at, you know, big competitors like, you know, Marvel and DC and, and WWE, mm-hmm. um, like their spaces, you know, are, are pretty small or, right. or, get, or smaller than they were. Right. But like you guys report these releases and they sell out instantly. I, I'm just confused. Like, for one, it's inarguable to me that demand for figures, for whatever the reason, mm-hmm. is would it, like it's at its lowest point in since Disney bought you know in right. the last five years. Whether it's to do with you know action figures or people not liking stuff or whatever, but at the same time these figure releases are like it's meant to be like a mass market product it's sort of getting sold like like supreme you know like where it's people they can't buy them like it's right. it's such a bizarre you know the market is shrunk mm-hmm. but then that shrunken market is sort of so dissatisfied with being right. able to get like the product yeah, it's become a lot harder to get the products that you like, you know, whether that is because of, you know, things becoming internet only or just because of how stores either stock or don't stock product. Um, yeah, it's it's become a real challenge if you if you, you know, if you're dedicated to just one particular um, line or scale. Uh, and like you said, you know, like recently there's been the the vintage collection Millennium Falcon that was up for pre-order a few times. Um, reg- that's from galaxy's edge and you just can't get it. I mean, for it being a pre-order item, it should just be up for pre-order. And if you play, if you want it, you should be able to pr- place a pre-order and Hasbro should make that product. You know, they should make enough to fill their pre-order. When's the, like how ahead is the pre-order? Like when's it going to ship? Well, it's supposed to be released on August 30th. So, you know, you would imagine they've done a certain production run of this vehicle, the, the Millennium Falcon, um, to to satisfy an expected demand. And the demand, it seems like there's quite a large demand, despite it being a $400 vehicle, um, being exclusive through Target, Um but, you know, do you attribute that to actual demand or is it the result of um, 
bots that swoop in and load the you know autofill their carts and shop you know and, and check out with them and, and just scoop these up for resellers you know is there an actual demand there or is it just an artificial demand for it you know it's 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 kind of hard to yeah with that one it's it's a weird one but like when you talk about like the retro figures and stuff mm-hmm. like i just don't get how you can misjudge the demand to such a degree right like that this mass market item that's, you know, it's the only drop for two months or whatever, that it sells mm-hmm. out in seconds. Right. Like how... Yeah, it's like... Can do they, they be so underproduced? Right. Are they trying to... Are they trying to prevent uh, overstock or... Um, being stuck, having retailers be stuck with unsold merchandise, you know, it's, again, it kind of comes around to market research. It's like, do they, do they think there's going to be a market for this or do they not? It's like, are they just producing enough to satisfy the initial orders and then not have to go back and make any more just to move on to the next thing? You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's hard to justify or it's hard to kind of rectify where Hasbro is coming from and how they produce and how much do they produce of a certain product. Cause it might seem like they overproduce the heck out of something. If you see it at the store all the time, but that's just because it's not selling. That doesn't mean they're the store is receiving just more and more of this product. It's there are certain products that just don't sell and that have been there for months and years at a time, depending on the store. Um, but things like the retro collection that, you know the first, the first run that came out with. The, yeah, I, I mean, should whole- point out. So the retro collection for those that aren't as action figurey is reproductions of the vintage figures. Of, so, yeah, of the original Kenner figures from the seventies and eighties. They're yeah. carded and they've got a, a little sticker on them that says retro and. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can tell them, you know, the, the trained eye, the, the, the right. re- like, and you don't have to be very trained. You probably right. just have to look at a copyright um, <laughs> date. That, that that's that's the amount of sleuthing you'll have to do. Right. But these things, every time they get dropped, I just hear of them selling out, except yep. for the the game, which has got the one figure I do want. That <laughs> right. that one that one just sat around with Tarkin. Yep, that one, and yeah, it's, and then to make them exclusive to a certain store for a certain period of time seems like a weird choice as well. It's like, wouldn't you want to put these out in as many stores that you would want to sell your product? You know, it's, again, I, th- I think it's it's them trying to stave off being stuck with a lot of unsold merchandise, and they're just... I wonder, right, you know... It's it's so you know so many companies now are moving to like direct to consumer, mm-hmm. and obviously this would. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hurt their base customer. Like the core customer would probably shift out of Walmart to do this but if they just like took pre-orders the way um hot toys do before they've started making the figure right do you know what i mean we're about to we've got the molds here we are mm-hmm. we're gonna make up some how many should we make up you guys right you'll get it in six months like <clears throat> right. would that result in more say it would like people find that you know and there's it, it sort of sucks because part of the fun you know you saying you know driving around with your kids on right. the toy like there's it's so bizarre right but for, yeah, there's- but for some reason not being able to find something and then finding it very satisfying i remember right. doing that and yeah. it was a good time an expensive right. time but good Right. Yeah, it's, I think, part of the allure or part of the satisfaction of collecting is being able to either see something available for order and then buy it and receive it within a few days or going to a store and seeing it and buying it and having it right away. You know, obviously that's ideal. I think it's harder to be one of the... uh, collectors that would you know purchase something today and get it six months or a year from now like you mentioned with hot toys sometimes it's you know 18 months from now it's it's hard to it's 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 hard to compare or i don't want to say it's hard to justify being one or the other you know it's Mm. people people want that satisfaction you know, immediate satisfaction of purchasing something and having it in hand a couple days later and move on to the next thing. Yeah. And, and I think that might be tougher with action figures. Like, what like about we're talking. the, you know, how, how they've always done the distribution of these figures is, you know, it's a box of 16, say, and there's an assortment. So you get four rays, two Darth Vader's, Two clone mm-hmm. troopers, two right. Genersos. Is that like? Is that model like still a pro? It's, it just seems like some characters just don't like when the films are, are red hot. Mm-hmm. You know, like finding, you know, your Kylo Ren or. Your, your Captain Phasma. I remember that being quite hard. Mm-hmm. Like, is is that like format of like should they sell like some characters as just like, hey, this is like this is the Mandalorian. Here's a box of Mandalorians. Right. You don't have to get. Do you know what I mean? A, a C three PO from the new film in the same box. Like, right. Um, if you you know there are retailer orders and then there are specialty store type orders where if you were to go to entertainment earth or 
uh, Dorkside Toys, you know, just those that specialize in selling these type of toys, they can order cases that are just full of a certain character. Ah, okay. You know, there are retailer cases that do have, oops, excuse me, there are retailers that do have an assortment which, you know, sprinkle different characters in from, you know, the, the cases set, you know, it comes with, like this most recent case, it might have, you know, three Commander Wolves, it'll have one Power Droid, it'll have two uh, Luke Skywalker uh, Stormtrooper outfit, and then two of K2SO. And every retailer would get that case. They don't get to pick and choose what's in the case. That's just what their orders will auto-fill with. And then when there's another case come out, it'll be a different assortment with four all-new characters, some doubled up, some tripled up, others, you know, one of each. Um, like I said, there are, there are specialty stores, whether it's comics, comic shops, stores like, or stores like I mentioned, that could say, we just want a case of uh, Kylo Ren or X character, and Hasbro will ship them in a special assortment of just that character to help fill the in-demand um, orders versus ones that wouldn't sell if they just only got cases of assortments. So can the bigger stores do that as well? I guess they're bigger stores, they can do what they want. Um, no, no. As far as I know, no. That's not how their ordering systems work. Because I, I just find that baffling that, like, you just think, like, in a Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the most mainstream store there is. Mm-hmm. That, like, just say you've got the Mandalorian and there's four in a case of 16 or whatever. Right. It just feels like that, like to have that, like it just feels like more, way more customers. Mm-hmm. But you're sort of saying, and, and just say it comes with one C3PO. So mm-hmm. you're saying for every four people that want to buy a Mandalorian, one person wants to buy a C3PO. And it just doesn't right. seem rational. Right. Because there's this new hot character that's like so perfect for an action figure. Yeah. Over the years, case assortments have changed quite a bit in quantities of product in a box. Like right now, you know, Black Series or um, or Vintage Collection, those are eight eight figures to a case. Oh, okay. Only only eight. So, and that's because that's what will typically fit on a peg, at least for Vintage Collection, because they're slimmer. You might get six to a peg for. Um, for uh, Black Series, let's say. I'm trying to think. I guess depending on the store, the peg lengths are different. But the case assortments are much smaller because the space devoted to the toy line is smaller it, in today's comparison yeah, versus okay. years ago. Um, so they fit, they order enough to fill a peg. And you're not going to get a case of 16 um, action figures anymore. They just don't make them like that. Wow. Yeah, so that and that's why things are hard to find at retail is because you know, there's one full uh, you know, you, a store gets a case and there may be one, you know, if there's four different characters in a case of 8 and some are doubled up and there's might and there might be one of only one character Someone could come in and buy that wave of figures, that wave of four, and that's it for that store. You know, they're they're just not going to get 
anymore unless they have back stock, but they might not get any for a couple weeks. And one collector or one parent even just going to shop and buying Star Wars figures, they could they could clean out a store relatively quickly and not and have there not be product for the next person. And that's just kind of the nature of how case assortments are now. They're just not that big. And there's not a lot of space devoted to them in in stores, whether it's Target or Walmart or or whatnot. And then, so these retro figures, they're getting pre-sold on the Walmart website, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so bizarre how quickly they sell out. Right. Like, it just think, like, you just think after it sells out so quickly the first time, the next time there'd be more satisfied people. Right. But it just sort of feels like the same problem. And then that also, you know, negatively affects collectors later because they'll end up having to go to a third party, whether it's, you know, online collectors selling person to person or if it's eBay or other retailers that are resellers and they might pay a, you know, a hundred percent markup for a character that, you know, it might cost them $10 in stores, but you'll pay 20 plus for that same character through other outlets just because like you mentioned because there's the the demand is outweighing the supply and there's a certain element out there that knows that and they'll go in and scoop up a bunch and you know they'll be scalping them online for two to three times the price which which has always been do you know what i mean when i was into it it was all about scalpers but it is it's just so weird now that the market shrunk, but the issue's still there. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like there's yeah. less people buying this stuff. I still can't get it. Right. And it, it just drives the prices up even more. So when you get info and, you know, through scanning, mm-hmm. you know, sites and stuff, when I was super into it, one of the big leak sort of valves were Asian factories. Mm-hmm. People would get sneak out samples and you'd right. see like uncolored figures and stuff. Does that, does that still happen? Um, every now and then. Yeah. I'll um, like right before, I think the last time it happened was uh, for wave two of the, uh, the 40th anniversary empire strikes back collection. Uh, it was rumored for a long time that there was going to be a, a Hoth Luke or Snowspeeder Luke coming into that wave. Um, you know, they're on the cards. Um, and I was sent before its official announcement and before it was officially confirmed anywhere that um, he was coming, I was sent one of those raw uh, prototype mock-up images of the figure. And it was, it was exactly what it ended up being at retail or when it was officially announced. So it, it still happens from time to time. I, I rarely receive any of that kind of thing in my, in my hunting of information. I, I'd take it and, and I didn't publish it either. There's, you know, there's certain lines that I don't cross when I report on things because I don't typically, because I don't know the source and I don't know how it's going to be tracked to whom and what and where did it come from. You know, I don't want to, be any kind of legal trouble. Yeah. Um, I, I don't typically post that information, but I, I'll confirm that I've seen it, but I just won't show it. 
So remember when the factory leaks started coming out for the Force Awakens figures? I do. Just yep. Like there was, was that was, lineup of Kylo Ren and Ray and Chewbacca and uh, BB-8. I think yes. There was just yeah. something about seeing them as action figures. Right. Was and like, it was six inch and it was, it, yeah, it was a cool, cool experience. Cool time. I, I, I vividly remember seeing those images coming out. Yeah. Oh man. I just got a giant grin just thinking about <laughs> just staring at them and just like, going, Oh my God, there's like, these are going to be figures that are in right. the shop. And about the, about the closest thing that we've had recently is that um, Heroes of Endor set that was announced officially um, just for Comic-Con this past week. And within 24 to 48 hours, there was an in-hand sample of that posted online um, and shared across different groups, you know, shared on Instagram. And it was through an eBay seller, I believe, um, where... You know, it showed all of the figures and what everything included. You know, it's the set that has the Andor Han, Luke, Leia, uh, Poplu, and the speeder bike. I don't understand how this, because you've shown photos on your Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Does does it fold out and the yeah, figures are like of, in those little triangles? Yes. Um, like uh, the speeder bike and Poplu, the Ewok is in the middle, and then it kind of folds out like a W if you're looking at it from the top or an M, I guess. And then as those wings kind of fold out, you have Han and Leia on one side and Luke on the other one. And they just kind of, it's kind of opens like a book almost or accordion. So what were the other San Diego comic con exclusives that didn't like, obviously that was, that was, 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 was that, the Cone War, the Cone Trooper one, was that Comic Con as well? Yep, the Arc Troopers, um, Jesse Fives and Jesse Fives and Echo. Those were the three clones in there. Um, that that was a nice vintage collection surprise, and has some long-awaited figures in there that we've wanted for that for that line. So um, that was one that um, was announced. There was also the uh, vintage style or vintage box uh, Wampa uh, that was a repaint of a previous black series that was released back in 2014 I think that that um, was that looked pretty sick that was yeah it's funny because that seems super fan made like I oh yeah it, it looked like it was like you know and on the amazing I follow all these custom sites on right. Instagram mm-hmm. and yeah it was sort of uh yeah pretty cool to see that oversized Wampa box. Right. What do you hear about the product selection that they're bringing out? Like it's like they're bringing out like, like dope stuff. Like mm-hmm. I feel like the, the, like what they do bring out is mm-hmm. of, of pretty high quality. Yeah. And, but yet like, again, I'm not buying them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not contributing financially to their decision-making process. But it seems like the people that are want to buy original trilogy figures and not much else. Because that's – like, what do you hear about that with the demand of, of different errors? Um, I think it 
I think it's all kind of anecdotal. Like I could go right now to a store and pick up anything original trilogy that hasn't sold in a long time. Like the uh, probe droid from the black series or a bunch of Landos. What? The probe droid's not selling. No, I could go right now and there'd be half a dozen of them on the shelf. That's a good toy, man. It's, it is good. Um, and people will attribute that, oh, it's the scale. People don't want six-inch scale, whatever. And other people say, well, original trilogy doesn't sell. Or it's, uh, or they'll say uh, prequel stuff doesn't sell or uh, sequel trilogy do- stuff doesn't sell. It's like it's all, it's all anecdotal. It's, it all depends on what the market is like in your area. Because I can, like I said, I can go, there'll be a whole uh, peg's worth of vintage collection stuff from original trilogy just sitting there unsold for weeks at a time and um you know like there's the wave you know there's a wave of that has han lando luke and c-3po for the vintage collection they're all figures that have been released before they just have updated photo reel uh deco um so maybe that's why people aren't buying it because they think it's just a repack but again it's a real an original trilogy figure and it's not selling. So I think like I said a f- couple times it's all anecdotal it all depends on um what fits your narrative I guess. Yeah, cuz like I was sort of you know kind of baffled. I think it was at Toy Fair that you know it, it it's a it was a couple months after the rise of Skywalker. They've got a hit TV show. They've got mm-hmm. Clone Wars coming back. And and all the announcements are for the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. Right. This just, you know, it struck me as so odd because I'm like, like I have real interest in marketing and the mm-hmm. sort of how well they use the license to generate money is, is sort right. of, of interest to me. And I was thinking, oh, maybe that's what the people that buy action figures want. Maybe they they do just they do not want a a, a quill from the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. which just sounds baffling to me that you could not want them. Maybe they would rather a you know a Rebel Hoth commander. That's what they're into. They right. they like you know. Granted, it did have like an interchangeable scarf or something, which was you know pretty dope. But mm-hmm. the the timing of when they bring this stuff out is like, you know, you know when the Clone Wars is going to be on Disney+. Plus. Right. You know it's very popular. You've just spoken that it came from the glory days. And like there's no, no figures. You're not using that He-Man model of... Right. You know, same with the Mandalorian. They they did bring out to their credit that heavy artillery Mandalorian, like during the actual release of the during show. The run, yeah. But I was like, I couldn't believe. Like, I thought it was they'd be blitzing things, yeah, out with this because you got was, these advertisements. Right. It was a weird kind of a marketing time where they were. It was that Triple Force Friday deal where they were trying to emphasize not only the rise of Skywalker, but the Mandalorian and the game, uh, the Jedi fallen order game where they were trying to have products for all three of these at one time. 
And I thought I've, I've said a few different times that I thought that was kind of a mistake where you've got the, you know, the final movie in the saga coming out and you have the Mandalorian, which is an amazing, you know, new show. They should have devoted all of the resources just to those two properties or, you know, so as far as source material and, and not worry about the ride or the, uh, the game merchandise at, at the same time that could have came a month later or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, it was, it was baffling not to have a ton of, um, Mandalorian merchandise at the time of the show's launch. And as you mentioned, it is equally as baffling as that they didn't have Clone Wars merchandise out when the show returned. Like people were hoping for a, you know, a dedicated line, much like how they've done in the past with, you know, new, uh, series launches by people you know, do you mean Corey? well Corey was a big a big proponent of that uh of that's that one, that's one way to put it yeah um but yeah it was it was not a wise move i i think on on hasbro's part by not having full support of the clone wars line right for its end so you don't distinctly you know you interact with all these fans you don't get this overriding impression that a majority of them do want to focus on like the original trilogy. No, I, I have, you know, I have through the social media accounts that I manage and and the site, there's a wide variety of things that people want. You know, they, they want, there's a certain age group that wants prequels. There's certain age group that wants Mandalorian stuff. There's a, group that wants clone wars it's it's all very varied and i think that's great i mean I, there shouldn't just be one one focus for for hasbro or for star wars in general it should have um product representing everything that they're trying to market and um support and have nostalgia for whether it's the original trilogy or prequels so i like i like having um different product out for different films and shows do you think it's better that they bring them out in waves of matching figures or just like here's a prequel here's a sequel here's an original trilogy i would like that's i would like hasbro to have more of a marvel approach when they when it comes to their toy releases where they have themed waves of figures you know like they did that just most recently when they announced the change of the black series packaging they had a uh, online, or I believe it was a, a fan channel only uh, wave of all of the Rebels characters, which included Zeb and all of the other main characters. You know, um, I would like more of those type of things where you have a wave of only figures from uh, Attack of the Clones, or only figures from The Phantom Menace, or only from you know what The Mandalorian. Just, just have. Just have dedicated waves, but don't have that be the only thing out for Star Wars for three months. You know, have a couple different waves dedicated to uh, source material. Like, have just a Clone Wars wave, just a Empire wave, have just a, a Return of the Jedi wave, and have them available within a short time from one another. Don't spread things out three to six months down the road. I, I, 
that's kind of my thought of it anyway. Yeah, because when you mentioned before about how it seemed like things came out like every month or every six weeks, it did like the the droughts were very quick. Right. Like once you'd gotten everything, it was sort of like, oh, he's he's Neam Numb. How you doing, buddy? (laughs) What's going on? One of, for me, undisputable good calls for the whole licensing thing was the, the, the keeping baby Yoda, Yoju, if you will, secret. How, from what you know, because, you know, some people are like, they could have just made him and kept him secret. How impossible, like, is there a way that, say, you wouldn't have found out about it before the show came out? Um. I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. Um, I think it was the right call to keep baby Yoda slash the child under wraps and have its, its merchandise delayed. I think it would, I think it was far more impactful to have what happened happen the way it did. Well, Um, for, for me, that was like one of my maybe top 10 star Wars, like, seeing the child revealed at the end of that episode yep, and then having that realization of like, Oh, this show is all like, this is the missing piece of the show (laughs) that I needed for the whole, Mm -hmm. you know, it it sort of changed it from, Oh, here's a show set in star Wars to this show's star Wars. Yep. So I like the thrill I had, like, I just like wanted to ring people and go, yeah, I was the same way. I was as, and it kind of ties directly to my love of Yoda. It's, you know, himself. I've, I believe I've told this story to others where when I saw that episode the first time I stood up from my chair and like said, Holy shit. You know, like I could not believe that that's what they had done for that show in that reveal. Cause that was a complete surprise. I loved every minute of it. And I was 100 percent more invested in the show after that reveal than I was in the lead up. And the show was great until that point. It was just that reveal at the, at the end was an all time reveal for star Wars. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, it was adventures. It was adventures in star Wars land or whatever, Mm -hmm. but what in retrospect, I realized like I was enjoying it but it didn't have the force in it. Mm -hmm. And this was such a unique way to involve the force, like in a totally inventive way. It was just like, oh, this is a master. It was was so good. So I, um, I, 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 do you know what I mean? Like buying a figure that week, Mm-hmm. is whatever's to like, I, I just feel like I'll remember that baby Yoda moment forever. Right. I, I do have to select, I'm having a hard time picking what baby Yoda I want to have. Cause I can only have one. Right. Right now. My only, uh, baby Yoda, Yoju, if you will, collectibles is, I'm not sure if you're over this. CVS mm-hmm. pharmacy. They've got a range of three. Baby Yoda hand sanitizing options. Right. 
Brent? At a buck ninety nine, <laughs> I collected them all. I feel like it's the most twenty twenty Star Wars collectible. Baby right. Yoda hand sanitizer. Yeah. To combine the best and the worst thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Are, are you hearing any um info on what might be coming out for the Mandalorian when it returns? Um, as far as toys? Yeah. Um, not, nothing specific. You know, I I think they're still trying to play catch up with what we have already seen. So we're going to get figures like the armor and, you know, Moff Gideon and uh, Quill, um, stuff like that. So, uh, and like uh, Grief, we'll be getting him. So, yeah. I don't know of any new like season two type merchandise yet, but I assume it's being worked on as we speak. Mm. So yeah, that it feels like we're going to be in that scenario of you get the season one toys with season two while you're watching it, which is, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's different than how we kind of grew up where you would get toys before before the movie would air or you know be broadcast or in theaters um it's 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 different with this whole new mm. disney plus type thing the thing about it is like when like say for the clone wars right mm-hmm. when that siege of mandalore was premiering for that month on disney plus that was the peak in people wanting to buy Clone Wars stuff, yeah, maybe forever. Like that could have been the last big jump surge in yeah. interest, right? That, yeah, it's just a shame that it's not capitalized on. But, yeah, that could have had its own, you know, m- whole merchandising push. You know, like a Force Friday on its own, they could have had a dedicated Clone Wars product launch. And, you know, I, I sort of think that Lucasfilm should give them some guidance and stuff, but too often they're putting out, and, you know, they're probably not to know, like dead characters after the film or the show comes out. <laughs> right. like, like you say, right. Quill. Mm-hmm. Like now it's a bummer. Right. Do you know what I mean? And they had like, you know, Holdo and mm-hmm. what other characters? Snoke. They all came out after the right. film mm-hmm. dead. Right. They didn't even bring out, back in the day, they didn't bring out Tarkin because he was dead. <laughs> they thought no one would know him. Right. But yeah, as like, it's, it's, it's there, you know, when they announced all that Empire Strikes Back stuff before, like it is shocking that there is no vintage collection figure or uh, black series like Ben Solo or Ray Skywalker, right? And also, you know, a lack of follow up on the Rise of Skywalker, which, despite its, you know, if people liked it or not. It's weird that there's no product coming out given that 
they would have had to have produced the product before the film came out. So it's it's not like a reaction to right. the film. Yep. It's just a nothing. Like, what's your take on that? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the um, maybe the public response to the whole ending of the saga. Like, you know, just like with anything nowadays, half the people love it, half the people hate no, it. But, but like, they didn't sort of seem to have product planned like was their strategy just let's see if people like the film and then right bring I, out- I think that's probably has a lot to do with it because gotcha. because of how the last jedi went they didn't want to be stuck with a bunch of product again that people didn't like that movie you know a certain portion of it gotcha so it's yeah that it's it's what is the saying scared money doesn't make money or something like right. that but it, it, it does feel like they're tiptoeing around and right. you know when they they could be striking gold hey guys independently produced podcasts like steel wars survive on listener word of mouth listeners just like you if you're enjoying this episode with yak face do us a favor and let your friends family and co-workers know via your social media use. The new episode announcement is always pinned to the top of the Facebook and Twitter feeds, making it an easy share or retweet for the kind listener looking to help out their buddy Steel. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. So how long is, like, what, what, what do you see as, like, the future of the toy line? Will it stay with Hasbro? I would imagine it will. I think over the years of Hasbro having a license, there's been opportunities for it to go elsewhere. And Disney, well, at least most recently, I think, you know, Disney's decided to stick with, with them as their go-to manufacturer. Do you have an opinion on that? I'm of two minds, I guess. I think, let's say another company were to take over, it's not like they're going to start automatically issuing product we've never gotten before. They're going to hitch their wagon to already established characters, and that that would mean we would be buying another Darth Vader, another Luke, another R2, another original trilogy character, Probably we're not going to get some long lost action figure or vehicle that we have had never received before. They're going to start off on the safe foot. It's going to be toy biz bringing out the Tonka sisters <laughs> after all this time. Right. They, they finally did it. But you bring up a good point about that. They will go back to the start. And like, I think, you know, people get frustrated with Hasbro, but, if you like, if your money depended on it, mm-hmm. I'd stick with them because right. I think if you change over, you're going to lose more people than you gain. I feel like people right. would use that as like, "Yeah, I'm not up for Darth yep. Vader in the yep. eight and that a half be, inch scale." That would mean my would be my jumping off point for collecting. I, I don't want to start over. I, you know, I just, I just don't, I don't have it in me to start over a new interpretation of another figure that I already have 50 times over, you know, it's, that would be, 
a clear line that, okay, it's been a fun 40 year run. I'm just not going to do it anymore. <laughs> you know, I'll watch from afar and pick up things here and there, but I would no way be full on. Yeah. I, I just couldn't see myself doing that. <laughs> You so seem maybe like sublim- you're having a bit of a nervous breakdown so, thinking about so, it. So maybe yeah. subliminally I want them so I can say, here we go. Finally I have some some actual you know, money back in my account and I could uh, buy things that are more practical. I don't know. So what what like rad things are you looking forward to that, that, that is coming up for action figures? Um, boy, that's tough. It's like I mentioned at the beginning with all the secrecy around everything that Disney has their hands in, you know, you don't know what's coming or what they're going to devote their resources toward. You know, we're getting this Kenobi series. We're getting the Cassian Andor series. Um, there's a whole another trilogy coming out in, you know, starting in 2023. Like where's, where's the world going to be in, in this day and, you know, where are we going to be at? Our toys even going to matter, you know, is what is going to matter, you know, three years from now. Um, there's this whole light uh, or uh, high Republic era. That's obviously is going to be explored in some toy form. I would, I would have to guess. Um, so there's, a, there's still a lot of product n- new and old yet to come. Um It'll be interesting to see how Hasbro handles it. Will it be more of the same where it's hard to find or it's focused on something that isn't all that popular or or what? Will they change their their operating procedure to be more I don't want to say diverse because they they're really diverse now because they kind of they sprinkled their action figures around the entire saga. Um so it, it's hard to say with, like I said, with all the secrecy that's around everything, will they, will they focus on one thing or keep, or keep sprinkling toys around every, every aspect of the Star Wars universe? Yeah. Again, it, it sort of feels like they're, you know, they're, they're spreading their money wide. Right. It's you like, know? They cover everything, and then if something takes off, then they'll shift later. It's oh, it seems very reactionary to to the trends. It seems like. Is there any word of another uh, like Haslab project? I, I I assume you uh, got your lips around that uh, sail barge. <laughs> um, yes, I have that sail barge. Um, I. I don't know what is coming. They're supposed to make the announcement of the next one. It's for the vintage collection. They're supposed to make that announcement sometime in August, um, probably early August. Um, I I don't know what it's going to be. I'm I have some what do you wishes. Want? What do I want? I know what I want. Again, what do you I, want? I, I, I wouldn't you. buy it, but I, I think what would be best is uh, Razor Crest. Yeah, that's a very popular. Um, a very popular request as far as what has lab should do. Cause the other uh-huh. ones I hear, are, you know, like the sand crawler and it's like, really? Right. Like it's not like it's rad, but you, there's been like two or three different scales of it. 
Yep. And it is just a brown box. Like <laughs> the garbage hauler. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's you know, I would like I would like the Razor Crest. Would I like a huge like Death Star type playset or <sighs> something like that? Yeah, that would be cool. Um I would You've got you've that that, that you know, if you want to go classic or new, there I I don't know, I, I don't know if you can come up with better picks than that. Right. Like even like a new shuttle or a new AT-AT, it's like you've already made them pretty big like Right. And I I I don't know. I I think those toys are sick already. Yeah, the shuttle's a great sculpt, you know, that you know, the the ones that we've had over the years they're all based on that original 83 one and Dude, they got it right in 83. Yeah. It's, and it's huge. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big vehicle when it's all opened up for flight. So, you know, could they improve on it? Sure. I think most of it would probably gear around a repaint of it, but you know, so why would you vote or dedicate a HasLab project to a repaint? You know, you need something really substantial that couldn't really be made before and I think the Razor Crest would be well supported or well received at retail. So it's hard to say, well, they should make the Razor Crest as the HasLab thing because I, I think that would be kind of unfair to the Razor Crest. It deserves a more accessible um, launch or release than having a. Yeah, I, I either way, I, it'd be sick for it to come out, and it would also right. sort of say here's this new vehicle mm-hmm. that everyone's so psyched on that we made a toy on it. Right. Rather than, you know, bringing back old things sort of thing. I don't know. I'm just, I'm in such a, a like, I just want new stuff. Like, right. Refresh, refresh, go forward. Yep. Um. So, you know, we just did, on one of our Patreon shows with King Tom, we just reviewed a book the Queen's Peril, which is a prequel to a book set in the prequel era, like it's it's a prequel to an already established book. It's like this this is going back in Star Wars is 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 killing me. Right. I want to not know what happens, but yeah, Razor Crest vehicle. I, I just feel like that'd be the most exciting. Oh, well, Death Star as well, but I I don't know. I sort of feel like. The size of that will never. It's just so hard to do yeah, how the do Death they Star justice. The, yeah, how, yeah. How do they capture that scale? You know, and what what's all included is the, you know the, the, the shaft included is the uh, garbage shoot. You know, is everything that we know from the Death Star is that comprised the playset and how? how do they interact and how is it, how do they work? Do they all link together? You know, obviously they're, they're not all in the same part of the death star. So would they all be right next to each other? Does it make sense to have them as a unified playset, or is it all just a modular thing that you could put together however you want? Um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of opportunities there. Yeah. You know, do you make a giant, you know, uh, Ewok village or do you make a something from, uh, you know they're they're doing that carbon freezing chamber sort of. Um, are, do you do something else? Do you do the gantry like we talked about before? You know, it's like do they? How do they? How do they make a playset 
worthy of the HasLab project, you know. And, you know, what do they charge for it? You know, if they're going to charge $500 for a barge that's, you know, four feet long, how big is the Death Star playset and how much, you know. <laughs> and where are we all going to put whatever they decide to make, you know. It's like HasLab will just keep going, making bigger and bigger things. Mm-hmm. Until they finally get sued by like one of the toys falling on someone, <laughs> they they were crushed. They were crushed by the 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 four level Death Star. So, but what figures as we um wait? Normally, when we finish up these these episodes, Jason, I mm-hmm. I ask what part of like what stories in Star Wars people are looking forward to the most, but. As a Hasbro collector, what 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 toy are you looking forward to coming out the most? Um, well, whether it's coming or not, I don't know. Um, I would like a lot more aliens in both scales for um, you know Black Series and Vintage Collection, Classic Cantina aliens. Sure, we've gotten a lot in previous years over the years that Hasbro's had the line, but you know, there's plenty that we have never gotten before and and a lot of them we've not received in in the black series at all so i'm just looking for more classic um you would classic aliens you would think if hasbro just wanted to get a a bit of extra scratch you know Mm -hmm. just just like get you know boost some sales black series cantina band Right, a couple of interchangeable heads, some instruments. Every idiot going into Walmart's buying six of them. Right, like get it going. Yep, that would be a great idea. Cantina aliens, or uh, yeah, Cantina band. There's there's a lot to pull from. You know, whether it's Clone Wars or Mandalorian, like we talked. There's just so many choices they have. And whatever one they make, someone's going to be upset with it. So it's I, I don't envy the position they have to try to fill all of these people's desires and requests and and wants. So um, for me, like I said, it would be more of the of the alien aliens that we haven't had before. And and then to our more traditional question, out sure. of the the, the rumored. Uh, films and confirmed TV series and, and rumored TV series. What, what what are you looking forward to most in Star Wars in that direction? Um, I think everything that's geared around Kenobi um, is got my interest at the most, just not because it's the next one coming, but um, I really like the potential of that story just to see what, what happens in that time where Obi-Wan is in exile on Tatooine. I, I think there's some potential there for some cool toys. So hopefully they don't let us down. I, I know the show will probably be great. Um, I hope there's enough merchandise to, to do it justice. So. You gotta think if Hayden Christensen's in there, yeah, they have to, they have to be bringing out some Anakin action. Come right. on. Flashbacks with Anakin and Obi Wan. 
Oh, Jason, it has been awesome talking uh, action figures and your fandom this evening. Let the good people know of the internet where they can track down your various endeavors. Uh, you can find me at yakface.com, and we've got links to our social channels there. Um, we're very, we and I am very active on Instagram and Twitter. Um, also recently in the past couple of weeks opened a Patreon account for the site so that, uh, you know, we throw a little bones to the, those that have subscribed. And that's kind of a new, a, that's the newest thing that I've launched after many years of requests. You know, do you have a Patreon? And when I'm like, yep, I just, just started one. And I like to thank all the people that have signed up for that. That's been a nice surprise. So, um, yeah, Facebook as well. We have a Facebook account that just kind of cycles our our articles that we post to the main yakface.com site. Um, so, yeah. And and on your site, there's a forum. Yes. Is, is that still pretty active? or Very active. Um, we have a very active customizing community. Um, if you just, uh, even on our front page right now of yakface.com, there's, there are articles regarding uh, customizing contests that we hold regularly. Um, I love that. Yeah. Like it frustrates me because I've just got zero talent in that. But mm-hmm. I think at the moment it's like rebellion aliens or something and people right. send in their takes. It's Rebel militia. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a great – and whenever we're going to have another contest, we always uh, put out uh, – there are categories to vote for. So it could be rebel militia, Mandalorians, original trilogy stuff. You know, it could be different factions or whatnot. Jedi, uh, the forum members get to vote on what they want to customize toward. And then the winner, whatever category wins, that is, that becomes the theme for that month's, um, contest. So, yeah, it's interesting. Cause generally here, like many sites having like, flourishing forums now yeah because of social media right yep and ours has been around you know there's there's a few sites out there that still maintain a pretty heavy um forum uh heavy forum activity so i I think ours does pretty well um in that regard as well all right tight and what about tracking down you on like podcasts and stuff um, usually I, uh, am on the, uh, first order transmissions podcast with Corey and the gang. Um, we've changed that recently back to the wolf pack, which it originally was back in the day. Corey uh, loves a name change. Yep. He's a big fan of the name change. Um, but yeah, there's the same crew has kind of been there for, we've been doing this a long time. I, I'm surprised that, you know, as varied in our ages are, we've just maintained this great friendship over the years, both on camera and off. Cause we message each other all day, every day. It seems like we're talking. So, um, I'm on there. Um, I'll pop up on various podcasts, um, around the web. There's a galaxy toys podcast, um, galaxy of toys, excuse me. Um, I was just on a, in-studio podcast uh, last week uh, from a local Minnesota collecting group, um, and that was a pretty cool experience. I had never done an in-studio one before like this. Um, 
but yeah, I'll, I'll hop up on, on various um, podcasts here and there, and I try to promote those through social media and uh, dedicated posts on the site. So if people are looking for where I might be or, um, or whatnot, um, they can catch announcements there. Yeah, well, as I was saying at the top of the episode, for just to stay on top of the uh, action figure news and stuff, Yak Face on Twitter always got the images, always got the rumors, always got the codes. Right. Things to yep. scan. If you want to go into a major retailer and, and scan something in search of a toy, Jason is your man. But uh, thanks for all you do. I, as I say, I don't collect, but I love sort of um, analyzing what's coming out and, and checking it all out and seeing how it does at retail. I'll, I'll never be yep. able to go into a uh, a store with toys and not uh, peruse the Star Wars aisle and, and, and yep. see what's moving. So um, I appreciate all you do. Uh, thank thank you. you so much, and may that force be with you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to that super fun Star Wars action figure chat with Jason from yakface.com. And hey, if you're not already, and you probably already are, give him a follow on Instagram and Twitter because. He's always posting the latest breaking Star Wars news and is super fun to interact with on Twitter as well. Hey, if you're after some non-Star Wars podcast listening, I have launched a new interview podcast called Manchester Lane Radio. It is a podcast for the Shaw Store, which is a streetwear store I'm involved with in Melbourne, Australia. And on the first episode, we interview, or I interview, with you, so it's we, I guess, my comedian friend Dilruk Jaya Singer, and talk about his time on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and we, we, we talk KFC, we talk... It's, it's a, a pretty random chat, but it is super fun. And you can listen to it wherever podcasts are found on your podcast app, or you can go to theshorestore.com. I'll put a direct link in the show notes. And you can also watch a visually enhanced version on youtube.com. And I'll put a direct link to that as well. Speaking of direct links to enhanced visual podcasts if you haven't already check out the visually enhanced version of episode 18 of star wars year by podcast with me and halls from blue harvest as we go through the star wars history of 1982 but if you watch it on youtube all these little joke images like there's this little you get to see the things we're talking about you also get to watch a lot of footage from my trip to the Sarlacc pit location in Yuma. But since I sort of plugged it a little bit harder last week, a few people have 
messaged me and said, oh, you didn't say it was like that. That's actually really good. That's that's actually makes sense why you'd want to watch it. So I'll put a link to that as well. Check it out. And speaking of Star Wars You by Podcast, if you are a Patreon supporter, $3 and up in the content club, you would have a special edition of Star Wars You by Podcast. We flash forward to 2010 and talk about the finale of Lost. I just finished my rewatch. And me and Hawes were just chomping to talk about it. So we lock in well over two hours of very fun Lost Talk. Also on the feed, you have got a couple of two, I think, Patreon-exclusive questions you have. The Q&A, I think there's a Patreon all-access version that went up as well. Um, and there is a Patreon all access episode up of King Tom's Page Wars, where we're talking about Shadowfall, Alphabet Squadron, the book. There is a Patreon exclusive new episode of Page Wars up, episode 11, Queen's Peril. That was uh, a very interesting book to hear about some pre-Phantom Menace Padme storytelling. Um, so that was super fun. And we've got one more page wars for patrons to go up that's already recorded. And that will probably go up tomorrow. A lot of content in the last week, you guys. I hope you have been enjoying it. If you haven't already, please write us a sweet five-star review on iTunes. It bumps us up the rankings and lets other potential listeners know we do good stuff. Follow us, Steel Wars, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Steel Wars. And thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate those that help out with the, the Patreon support. The $3 a month means so much. And also for those that just help spread the last podcast announcements. It it really, it does help. And um, yeah, shout out to you guys. And may that force be... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.